and welcome to the weekly walkthrough H-Town, coming to you from the hub of the community, the Heston Public Library, recorded with podcasting equipment sponsored by USW Local 11228. Hi, Susan. Hi, Rusty. How are you? I'm good, but I, I just want to say that I missed you enormously well, last week. Thank you. I was working state golf. I know you were. And I kept looking out the window to see if you would wave, and you didn't, but that's all right. I was busy. I was by her house doing the tea, and so so was Chief Eiler, because Chief Eiler's yeah. still. Hi, Chris. Hi, Rusty. How are you? I'm good. How are good. you? And Brad's here with us, too. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hi, Rusty. This nice is, to be with you. We have a full slate here. We have really the four coolest people in town all in one place. I, I, I'll I sign off on that. I'm not going to argue. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'll sign off with that right now. So. Okay. Chris, actually, you were a spot, or a marker. Marker, at the yeah. yeah. And I think you had a couple decent groups. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed the groups that I Good. request. So Ro- yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. It was so cold though. I I really it was admire a chilly. people that could do that. It was a little chilly, but we yeah. saw some really good golf. That matters. Five A state golf. The uh, winner is a the winner overall was a sophomore from Mays, and she shot, I think, two over for the tournament. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the runner up was a sophomore from Cape Mountain Carmel who shot I think four, four or five over, but was. 200 par the first day so really good golfers nice really good. yeah don't really forget that you and i are going to do the tip and uh, that tuck. happened already that was saturday oh yeah missed it they, they it was changed it was changed the toughest hole was number nine instead of number eight i got a par rusty i made a quadruple bogey and i felt good about that but you said previously on a previous broadcast that it one time took you 27 strokes. 25, 25. 25 strokes. Well, that hole, that hole had been changed this year a little bit. Okay. Yeah, about all that right. about yeah. a foot a foot to the a foot difference made all the difference, but they changed 9. There were a couple of really high scores on 9. Okay. The okay. highest score I think I saw overall was a 17, but it wasn't even on number 9, was it? No, I, I know of a 16 on 1. A 16 on 1? Yeah. yeah. That was in your not group. Me. Not no, your no, no, that was not, in, not my we're, group either. We're not yes. Oh, it wasn't your group? Okay. No. Okay. We're not throwing anybody on their bus that works no. as a state trooper, right? That's right. Okay, yeah. good. I feel <laughs> I feel <laughs> state employees were right, armed. Right. Like, right. <laughs> Brad and I feel super left out that we didn't get to participate. And so to help us re enter the group, I had told Brad Gore, our guest from Dick Arboretum, uh-huh. that I was going to bring candy because we're done with what's in the sack okay. for now. But I brought some candy today and then Brad will donated candy for next week at my request but brad can you try it's basically the same game now that i think about it but it's just involving candy what kind of candy do you think i brought brad well i would say probably some kind of nature theme i seem to get associated with uh, with these sorts of things a lot uh sometimes get called nature boy I'm guessing there's some kind of candy that has some connection there. I think Nature Boy is a compliment, and you are correct. It is a spider. <laughs> and because I didn't concentrate, I really can't quite remember where I got this, but I got it recently, just randomly, <laughs> not at the local grocery store, I might add. But um, I got this recently, and I just happened to bring it. Like It works perfectly with you today. So, Brad, there you go. Wow. It's a tarantula Giant gummy worm. Jelly belly pet tarantula. I can almost guarantee this won't get eaten right away. But, uh, <laughs> I want you, thank you so much. Can yeah. you cut off a little leg and give one to the chief? Because he's kind of looking like, whoa. I think I'm good. Okay. If I, found, if I found a spider that big in my house, I'd have to kill the whole house with fire. Pretty sure. Just the whole house and just take it all down. Okay. 
I don't like spiders. Mm-hmm. Me a either. Response for a lot of yeah. <laughs> I'm not, uh, actually, I'm, I'm better now, but I, for a long time, I didn't like spiders. But we're off topic, so let's get going. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't. I, which either one of you guys want to start? Brad, go ahead. Go ahead Brad. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Well, so Brad, I just really appreciate you being here today, and I happened to make a loop through the arboretum yesterday with a couple of my grandchildren, and was reminded again at how what a wonderful resource this is for our community, how it changes nearly weekly. This is a beautiful time of year to be out there and just enjoy the color. And one of the little games we played was, can you find something red, something blue, something? And you pretty much could. But I want our focus to be on some of your particular um, areas of interest at the Arboretum and, and where you find your gifts matching up the most. But can you say a little bit about your history with the Dick Arboretum? Yeah. Well, uh, I should probably just start with saying a little bit about the Arboretum Mm -hmm. and its history. It's a 42-year-old Arboretum. Harold and Evie Dick were inspired by the Bartlett Arboretum in Belle Plaine in in their years of um, living in Heston and with uh, being entrepreneurs themselves and philanthropists that, uh, you know, they were able to make something happen in Heston when they were inspired. And so they followed the model of Bartlett Arboretum and were able to create something like that on an agricultural field. Uh, 42 years later, we're still following this mission to cultivate transformative relationships between people and the land. And uh, it's with that inspiration that Harold and Ivy left that, that we're still trying to, you know, fulfill that legacy. So, yeah, as far as my connection to it, it actually started a number of years ago, uh, 30, a little over 30 years ago. I was living in Mound Ridge, it's where I grew up, and um, was able to start to get interested in environmental studies and landscaping with native plants, and uh, was able to land an internship or kind of a summer work-study job at uh, Dick Arboretum. Jim Locklear was the director then, and so I got connected there and spent two summers as sort of grounds maintenance um, personnel there. And um, so that was my introduction to landscaping with native plants. And in addition to some kind of co-experience efforts at Coffin Museum uh, while Mm. I was a student at Bethel College, I was really, it kind of started that, the interest in, in a career in, in kind of ecological restoration and landscaping with native plants. And, uh, you know, 10, 11 years uh, transpired in that um, follow-up to leaving Bethel College and um, graduate school and some Mennonite voluntary service and things like that being in different parts of the country. And, you know, we were interested in moving back to be close to family, having kids, living in Kansas City at the time, and migrated back to uh, wanting to kind of pursue some of the things that I had studied in graduate school that were still, I was passionate about in ecological restoration. And there, as you might imagine, there aren't a lot of jobs fulfilling the ideas of (laughs) ecological restoration out there, especially in Kansas. And so to see that potential at at Dick Arboretum in a place where we were kind of moving back to, both of our families uh, around this region, um, I started volunteering while I was working in a a remote, uh, I was uh, telecommuting to an engineering company in Kansas City where I was working at the time, and uh, started volunteering and helping write grants and 
wrote myself into a grant and 20 years later, I'm still partially grant funded doing projects that uh, Perfect. Uh, help support uh, the Dick Arboretum and our mission. I don't think I knew the part about wrote yourself into a grant, but I like hearing that. Okay. How about you, partner? I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, we might have to write ourselves into a grant I'm, for this podcast. Chris, you want to write yourself into a grant as well? We're just going <laughs> to. We, we, we may have written ourselves into a couple grants. Okay, cool. perfect. So perfect. Well. Yeah. perfect. Yeah. We're, apparently, we're behind the eight ball in this one. I think we are. Okay. So, Brad, it does sound like a perfect fit for your skill set. And I um, am so grateful that, that there is a place and that people are doing that kind of work because it's, it's important and becomes increasingly important um, every day, in my opinion. But um, I do believe that one of your main responsibilities at the Arboretum is the Prairie Window Concert Series. So what would you like our listeners to know? A little bit of the history, legacy, evolution of this program. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's kind of a minor component of what I do right now, in addition to prairie restoration work and Earth Partnership for Schools programming and helping support a lot of the other events and programs we do. But uh, you know, and, and it did take a lot more time early on okay. when I became involved about 11 years ago. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it sort of fell into my lap. Uh, Julie Torseth, the director at that time, uh, was, was available when Minor Seymour and Valletta in Mound Ridge that had run the Old Settlers Inn for mm-hmm. 16 years at that time were looking for a new venue to um, carry on this concert series that they had sort of become famous for in in small town of Mound Ridge. And, you know, we had the facilities, we had the potential that they saw that could possibly carry it on. And so um, Minor was kind of looking to retire from it all. Uh, Julie had retired around that time, and then we were looking for somebody to carry it on, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I had attended for probably 15, 20 years at the time, uh, you know, the Walnut Valley Festival and was interested in roots music and mm-hmm. that sort of thing at the time. And so um, it sort of sounded fun to me. And I had some project management experience with my, my work in Kansas City. And so I thought, well, let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the rest is history. We've been doing it for 11 years now. We, we host about eight shows a year. Okay. And uh, kind of going from October through April and uh, featuring a lot of different genres of music. Uh, I guess probably the, the mainstream element of that would be Americana, roots music, folk, twinges of bluegrass, blues, jazz, zydeco, uh, just lots of different Speaking my language here. I like yeah. that. Well, and, yeah, it's all things that I think people in our area relate to very mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And so we've tried to keep a lot of the same elements that Minor and Valletta uh, put into place with the Old Settlers Inn because it just was so brilliant what they did and how they did it. And so much of what I've seen as, as sort of my mission as a caretaker of this concert series going forward it's just don't screw it up <laughs> you know and and uh you know we've we've done we've made some tweaks uh based on our facilities and our exposure at the arboretum and things we've been able to do i can go into that maybe a little more later but uh yeah it's sort of evolved and uh you know from 16 years as the the old settlers in and now another uh, um, i guess really 13 years of the prairie window concert series it's um it's still fulfilling a mission to carry on live music in in this uh, small town setting, and we're, we're really proud of the efforts that have gone into that. I think it, <clears throat> I heard something that sometimes I need to remember is if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And that's true. Sounds like 
you have tried to stay true to that. So tell us a little bit about this year's lineup. Yeah, we uh, have uh, a number of artists I'm excited about. We already had one show last weekend. We are we, we featured the, the Haymakers out of Wichita, and uh, it's a great, we call it Americana group. Uh, Dustin Arbuckle has had many different projects, uh, a lot of blues-based uh, uh, bands that he's been a part of. You maybe have heard of Moreland and Arbuckle uh, mm-hmm. as one of those. And uh, he plays a lot of the, the blues venues in Chicago, or I mean uh, Wichita, and supports the blues and beer and barbecue or something that okay. that they do in Newton. Anyway, they they were a great show to kick it off last week. Um, but they're they're one they're one of four that are new artists that we're featuring, mm-hmm. and we're also bringing back uh, four uh, sort of favorites of the concert series over the years. Uh, Goodnight Moonshine features uh, you know, Red Molly standout Molly Venter. Uh, they they played here a couple of times. Uh, we hosted them once at the Arboretum and once at the Fox Theater in Newton. Um, they've come as their project, Goodnight Moonshine, with their husband Evan, and we're so excited to get them on November 13. Uh, Lindsay Liu is just a, a powerhouse artist, and really we have no business getting an artist <laughs> like her here anymore. But we've been able to work out a deal with them and catch the right routing and, and get them to come through. So really excited to host Lindsay Liu again on January 15. John Fulbright is another one of these uh, Texas uh, troubadour singer-songwriters that can just wail on the harmonica. He's amazing with a guitar. He's a natural in front of the keyboard. And he can just carry a show all by himself. But he's going to bring his band on December 11. It'll be great to have him back. And uh, the Barefoot Movement is a really just standout Americana group. Great acoustic, uh, singers, harmonies, lights out instrumental players. Uh, they'll be awesome as well. So that's kind of in the heart of our series uh, from November through uh, February, or kind of late January. And, uh, and then we have some other new artists sprinkled in there. Humbird is coming this next Sunday, October 30, at 4 o'clock at the Arboretum. Still have lots of tickets. And it um, uh, features just a, just a uh, her voice is described as like crystalline and just a perfect, beautiful voice. And uh, so she's going to have a, a trio here that we'll be featuring. Uh, this weekend. Uh, the Small Glories are an award-winning group out of Canada, a uh, duo uh, that just have really exciting, lots of energy on stage, uh, featuring them in February. And then Bella White is a, a young, kind of 20-year-old singer-songwriter out of Nashville that uh, they're making huge projections of how great she's going to be in the future. And we're li- we feel lucky to have her coming through soon too as well. So Nice. It's a, we're excited about the lineup. It, it's a mix of uh, different genres, uh, musical styles, and, uh, and we're excited uh, for this season. I'm, I'm feeling enormous pressure to run to the ATM, get the cash, and just pay you for some tickets now because I <laughs> have not done a good job this particular year of, of um, getting that taken well, care of. But that'll lead me to a question. How much are tickets for this next show coming up this on Sunday? Tickets are $25 okay. for Humbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 for kids. Okay. Nice. So how do you select these artists? Artists, Is it fun? Is it challenging? It is fun and challenging. Uh, I would say that's one of the the pieces of this series that ends up being one of the most fun elements. I mean, you know, Miner was the artistic director, called himself, and uh, 
you know, and that came with a lot of pressure early on when I first started learning about it. And I thought, wow, I'm really glad to have Minor. He kind of came on and did that artistic direction for a couple of years at the Arboretum for us. And so I learned a lot about what he did and how he tried to find artists. And, you know, it's a lot about, I think, just following your gut. What music do you really enjoy? And, uh, you know, pairing that with what is what are we capable of bringing in mm-hmm. from sure. you know like what are these artists fees and and how we can get them to come in uh but it's all about you know trying to uh, narrow down artists that are just great instrumentalists they have wonderful vocals um i kind of underestimated that it's at first but uh, a great stage presence being able to be storytellers and fill in the gaps in front of music, you know, in between songs mm-hmm. and, and just have kind of an easy rapport with the audience. Uh, because the nice thing about a small listening room setting is that there is a lot of engagement between the artist yep. and, uh, and the crowd. And that's something I underestimated at first. It was, uh, it's, it's been a pretty cool thing that a lot of artists like to come for. Yeah. And the audience really engages in that as well. But, uh, yeah, putting all those things together and then just finding mm-hmm. artists that were willing to come through with that schedule and that, that we can uh, uh, find the right fee base for and, uh, you know, fit with our schedules. And, yeah, when that's all said and done, we eventually get our, our artist slate. Nice. I like to sit down with uh, friends. We, I kind of build about three dozen artists that, that come to us from uh, recommendations from our season ticket holders, uh, artists that that are passed along to us by other artists that come through that think would be a good fit for here, going to festivals, other shows, uh, uh, perusing those. And then, you know, we sit down the long weekend with a, a lot of good food and drink with friends, and, and we kind of just pour through audio files and YouTube clips and, and uh, kind of get our, say, top dozen that we try to go after and, and then try to make the scheduling work. Nice. I like it. It's kind of like the the Arboretum version of the fantasy football draft. Only you're using artists. I kind of I, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> like a good that way too. to yeah. describe it, Rusty. So you said that you know um, someone of the caliber of Lindsay Liu, um, she was here just a couple days before the XL shooting. I'll never forget that group being here. Lindsay Liu and the Flat Bellies, right? I forgot that. Yeah, I remember wow. it profoundly. Um, and then they did a performance at the school. Hmm. Um, that was something else I remember really. Yeah, it was just a part of that week for me. So I, I think we do deserve to have these people here, Brad, um, even though they're great. They get to come to a great community. You take really good care of them. I know that they set out some things that they need probably, you know, like they need a Reese's peanut butter cup or whatever. So I appreciate all the work. So just a little bit because I know that um, we want to keep moving. But what else is on the docket for the Arboretum? And if people haven't been there for a while, what have they missed? Yeah, well, the the next big event we have coming is a luminary walk. That's yes. uh, which is spectacular. Uh, it is absolutely spectacular. It's so it much fun. It's uh, Thanksgiving weekend and the weekend following always, and um, it's being rebranded from luminary walk to Prairie Lights. Nice. And so uh, this year we'll feature a number of ethnic traditions. We'll be uh, kind of celebrating the winter holidays from a Native American perspective, a Latinx perspective, African-American cultural perspective with Kwanzaa, and uh, German culture as well. And so bringing that in with the lights and the food and the music and everything makes makes for a fun experience. So that'll be 
top on the docket, and then just kind of preparing for a lot of other events coming too. We'll have the Leprechaun Run coming again in March, and uh, a number of native plant school classes, winter lectures, things like that. Those will all be coming in the coming months, in addition to our concert series uh, schedule. You're not just sitting around over there, are you? Keep pretty busy throughout the year. (laughs) You do. You absolutely do. Now, growing up for me, my favorite thing to do years and years and years ago, and it doesn't happen anymore, was feed the ducks. There aren't any ducks. And we would save bread to go feed the ducks, which now you're not supposed to feed ducks bread. But that's what you did. You went to the Arb and you fed ducks with the bread. And they were tame enough that they could come up and take it right out of your hand. That's cool. I remember those were the that was way back in elementary school, just as our breeding was getting going. Sure. So, well, and I think there's probably a few folks that haven't wandered back to see the hub. So, in a nutshell, what's the hub? The Horticulture and Utility Building. It's our it's our newest facility of the the three that that we utilize for a variety of activities, our events, uh, rentals, things like that. And uh, yeah, the, the hub's a great multi-use facility uh, on one side, kind of our prairie discovery lab, and then the other side it houses our, uh, all our equipment, our horticultural maintenance equipment and, and tools and, and so forth. So that's really nice to have on site now uh, that we didn't have in the past. And, so, and, and it really complements our other facilities nicely as well. We've also upgraded uh, all of our paths in recent years to, uh, you know, kind of replacing all that asphalt uh, half half mile path and and recreating uh, concrete uh, paths for uh, hopefully for a long time into the future, and uh, those have been nice pieces as well. You know, we're also getting aging buildings that we're doing some remodeling of uh, different things like that, but. Uh, um, yeah, those have been really important infrastructure elements for the Arboretum. It's a great place. If you haven't used those facilities uh, for your party, training, whatever, you need to give Janelle a call over there. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Brad, Scott, Janelle, Katie. Am I forgetting anyone? You got us. You guys are awesome. We love you. We're so glad you're here. I can't imagine this community without you any more than I can imagine the community without a lot of other things. So it, you're It's here. such a special place because you go there and you don't feel like you're in Heston, but you're right in Heston still. It's yes. it's just amazing. It always has been, and and it's relaxing. It's serene. It's just really therapeutic. Really cool. yeah. Very yeah. therapeutic. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, Brad, and we'll probably have to have you back about the time the things start greening up again. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's well, been a lot we're of fun. Glad. And you do not have to leave. You can stay That's as right. long as you want. I That's will. right. Because we're going to turn it over to Chief Otter. Hi, Chris. So what's going on in the world of, of, of things with you guys and that PD? Well, clearly I made a mistake by going second. <laughs> um, that's a hard act to follow. Um, Not so. You know, it was um, great, but you're great, too. We, uh, Would you like a pet tarantula to help you? Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a few things. Uh-huh. I mean, all, you know, we're always busy, but uh, right. we have a few things coming up with the holidays that we always uh, get involved with, that we're happy to be involved with. hmm and we think are important. Um, the first one is the uh, first responder holiday helpers. Okay. It's a countywide initiative. Um, I think it's actually more than just our county, obviously, but uh, but uh, it's kind of uh, ran by and I think came up with and fostered by still uh, Mark Scheffler, who okay. uh, is a long time was a long time Dillon's employee, but also a long time sheriff's reserve officer. He's the I think he's the captain of the sheriff's reserve okay. now. If I'm I might be misspeaking, but he, he runs it. So 
Um, anyway, what it is is we basically uh, raise money to uh, to buy some food for uh, families that we then give out right before uh, Thanksgiving. Okay. So some families in need. They families in need, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so we kind of uh, rely on some sources to get who we think might be in need of those those items. And I think last year we gave out close to 20. And it's two weeks' worth of food, basically. Dry, oh, go dry goods. Right. Um, and it's by donate. All of it's by donation of funds. Um, they don't take food donations because it, they found it easier just to kind of keep the boxes all the same. Mm -hmm. And, and Dylan's, Dylan's matches ten percent of the money raised. Okay. And then they also obviously give a pretty good discount on the on the food that's been purchased from them. Um, we as first responders go. I think it's the Goddard plant there, the Goddard Dillon's facility, and go box this up. Okay. Um, and then they transport it to Newton in a in a Dillon's trailer, and then we go pick it up and start delivering it. Okay. So um, that's started. That's kind of started. Um, donations are uh, taken by by check, cash, whatever. Um, and can how they can, how they can bring them to us? We'll okay. get them to the sheriff's office. They can take them to the sheriff's office, Newton PD. Uh, if they write a check, it should be made out to the first responder holiday helpers. Okay. Um, I want to say yes. In the in they they gave out 225 meals countywide oh, last year. Oh, that's wow. a lot so, of food. Yeah, and it goes to all the communities, um, all the communities, and the sheriff's office then does in the county too. So so yeah, so it's a it's a really good program that we're happy to be. Oh, absolutely, a without a doubt. And like you said, if people want to help. They can come to you guys and write the check yeah. or find someone. That's that's yeah. a great thing. Yeah, sheriff's office, Newton PD, or us, or or, you know, if someone in Sedgwick or Halstead's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. listen to this, they can go to their local PD and, yeah. and drop the funds off as well, and it'll get where it needs to go. Yeah. So so really good program. Um, the other one that we do that uh, we, we as the PD partner with the Ministerial Alliance and the library here is the Giving Tree. Okay. And it's getting to be that time of year. Um, and I'll, I'll put a plug out. Vanessa Schrader is very instrumental in mm -hmm. the giving tree um, if it wasn't for her it wouldn't be near as organized or, <laughs> or run as good as, as what it is and so, i can see that i can see that with vanessa exactly exactly very easily. so uh basically um people can apply for their children to receive gifts at christmas um they can they can get the applications here at the library at any of the schools from us at the pd or at the resource center okay and it's back up and, and going so um, they're due. The applications are due by the by Friday, November eighteenth, which is I suppose just a little over a, a month away or so, just, a little, yeah. little less. Yeah. Um, and when they fill out their app, they need to bring it back here to the library and drop it in the book depository in an envelope that's marked uh, "Giving Christmas Giving Tree." Okay. Um, there is there is some criteria to apply. Um, they have to be newborn to eighteen. Um, they have to live in the district in USD 460 boundaries or go to school here. Okay. Um, and they they must show that they're approved for free and reduced lunch. Okay. Is kind of how the what the criteria is. Um, once they once the library receives the the applications and they'll fill out the tags, they put them on the tree immediately, mm -hmm. and then they're there for you to come to the library and pick one and and go fulfill that child's wish. Yeah. Um, and so then once you do that, you wrap it and you bring it to us at the PD and we kind of, uh, have a little system that we use there and kind of keep them in order and, and know where they go. And, uh, we fill out a little tag for all of them. Um, we just ask that you put the number that it comes with a number, I believe. And you put the number on there, 
we just ask you to put that on there. We'll take care of tagging them. Okay. Um, and that's where Janet, our records clerk and court clerk, comes in in uh, fabulous in this too. She takes care of all that for us, and and we tag them. Um, they're due. The gifts are due by Friday, December 9th at noon, and then that gives us a time to meet and get them all tagged up and sorted and make sure we have everything. Um, and then uh, we deliver the gifts on the 15th and 16th of December. Okay. Um, and then if, if and this has never happened, but if all of the tags aren't taken from the tree, that's when the, the uh, Minister Alliance steps in and they provide the funds then to uh, grant those wishes. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a pretty good, it's a pretty complex thing that we do, and, but I think it's really good. It's and, for the complexity, though, to make a child's Christmas is, takes away all it's, that. It's, it's, it's well brilliant. worth it. Yeah, it's well, well worth, worth it, it so, without a doubt. So, yeah, so those are kind of the two things we have going um, to you know, help out. Okay. You know, uh, and there, you know, and obviously you can donate to the uh, the uh, first responders or come get a tag and make a child's Christmas absolutely. here at the library. I mean, that is absolutely. easily done. And yep. what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing that you guys get to do here and really help build the bridges and keep those bridges open between you and the community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yes, it does. It puts us probably in some situations that we don't always get to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, with some people and and it's really good for them to for us to see them in that light and them to see us in this light too. absolutely so. not just that you guys are the law enforcement officers but you guys are friends of the community and you're friends of the people right. and you're here and you care and well, that's, we care we care and we're here to help i mean mm-hmm. that you know we, we always kind of joke about the fireman when you when you call a fireman you need a fireman you mm-hmm. know yeah. everybody's happy to see a fireman <laughs> show up most of the time, you're not happy to see the police show up, and that's fine. <laughs> we understand that. You know, we, we work around that. Right, uh, but, right. But this really helps us just give back to the community, yeah. and it helps us get more involved in the community. Yeah. So. A couple of really good things. What else is going on? Well, you know, we tried our hand at barbecue. That didn't work. Well. <laughs> I heard that. I wasn't going to bring that up. But gonna... I wanted to bring it up, but Rusty told me not. Well, well, listen, hey. we're going to own it. We're, hey, we're he change... opened that door. Let's run right through we're that. We're going to change our name, our team name from Pigs in a Blanket okay. to Up and Smoke. <laughs> um, That's awesome. So, okay, so, yeah. so now that we're talking about this, yep. for the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, you tell your story, your version. Please. Well, it's the only version. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the only version. He's no. the chief of police. Um, it is the only version. Well, yes. so we last year we participated in the smoke off during the the home sweet Heston. home sweet mm-hmm. Heston event, and uh, we had a great time. So we thought, man, we're going to do it again, and this year we're going to go all in. I mean, we're going to win this sucker. That's what we thought, mm-hmm. and and I feel like we probably could have competed well in it with the product that we had <laughs> before the incident. Before the incident. <laughs> um, so we, we made the decision to go with a burnt ends product, okay. not not the typical burnt ends, the pork belly burnt ends, okay. which for those in the know, that's just a giant slab of bacon. Which is delicious. Which is delicious that's then smoked and then coated in all kinds of terrible things for you, like sugar and barbecue sauce. Yummy goodness. Butter and things. So, um, so we started cooking our meat about 5.30 Saturday morning, that Saturday morning, and Everything was going swimmingly. We actually had to had to uh, source out some of our cooking because we didn't have room. Um, so the we, story we may, gets better. We may have awesome. moved some of it to a certain person who we've already talked about who works for the state's grill, and <laughs> and, uh, and so we had a couple cooks going. We were tending it myself and and Officer Jansen were tending uh-huh. it. Um, it was going fine. Okay. About thirty minutes left before we pulled you. 
you smoke it, then you pull it off, you put it in a pan. That's when you add all the other right. richness to it. So we're about 30 minutes from that point. I had to run and get a couple more pans. Um, Michael was on a call but about to clear. In that 10-minute time span, it went from great to on fire. <laughs> and and not, you're not using – this is you're talking literally on fire. This is not a me- metaphor. Like we're talking 20-foot flame. <laughs> um, See it from space. You know. Nobody, nobody claimed we're engineers, um, so we might have had a, we may have had a slight mistake in how we set the grill on a, a very slight slope. Oh no! So the grease may have that's the key may have collected in an area that it shouldn't have. So I get a phone call saying, "Hey, bad deal. We're we're on fire." Um, <laughs> We got it out. I got we got it out. I got that part, but we're done. So I just went to the other location and collected what we had, probably fifty pieces, maybe mm-hmm. total left, and uh, had them for us. So we had them for a little bit of a brunch there at the Bur- office. Even better, um, even better. I was after, making that up after I after I made the call that we would have to withdraw, know, withdraw yeah. because of. And then the ironic or the funny part of this story is <laughs> about that same time. Mm-hmm. The fire department got a call in Mount Ridge that they rolled to. So, so you weren't that call? We weren't that call. Okay, no, then no, that, okay. No, no. Th- thank goodness that we dug into this yes. because I was getting a COVID booster mm-hmm. at the pharmacy <laughs> and, you know, they go screaming by and it never occurred to me that it was a barbecue entry on fire. Mm-hmm. And then later when I get to the event, Someone said, well, the PD had a little problem. Their stuff caught fire. And I said, is that where the engines were going? They said, yes. No. It <laughs> wasn't, you guys. No, Michael, Michael and Colt put it out with the, just two water bottles. So it okay. wasn't, wasn't that devastating mm-hmm. after that. But I will tell you that when I left the other side of town to come back after I'd collected our other morsels of greatness, um, <laughs> the smoke was rather impressive. <laughs> and so I'm surprised that no one didn't call. Okay. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I assume they just thought it's the police department they got it handled. It's yeah. fine. Well, maybe um, the fire department was just trying to get a little credit for well, that. I don't there, know. There's that possibility. <laughs> okay. Russ is pretty good about trying to steal my thunder. Okay. okay. <laughs> then he's going to have to show up he's, soon yeah. and get clarity. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. This yeah. is the best so that's, story ever. So that's what happened. That's what that's – what, so, I mean, you know, next year, uh-huh. next year we're back. Okay. So, we're, me okay. too. Me back. too. Just so you know, mean, me too. We, we've kind of overcome our deficiencies, maybe. Yeah, me too. We'll see. So well, I we, say that now. We need to get that date. I'm going to clear my calendar, and there will not be anything getting in the way. Well, I mean, maybe we can have an actual walkthrough, you know, Heston oh. then, and where we can just come visit all the cooks in progress. That, and, there we go. Oh, I like it. Live show. We can, see what's going we can on. record Perfect. that on live yeah, show. But you, yeah, but okay, you're going to have to have a sub then because you're going to be cooking. I'll be well, cooking. this, mm-hmm. I tell you, I don't know how things could get any better in a small town in America than it is here. Uh, this is just too much. We, we do, too we do great. pretty well. It's great. We have it a good time. So. We well, well. Uh, so, sorry, we got sidetracked. No, yeah, we, we got a little sidetracked there. Stuff. Let's bring it back, no, bring like it back it. around here okay, a little yeah. bit. Too. Okay. <laughs> I've been making the rounds here this probably since May. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've got to go visit all the clusters at Showalter Show oh, Villa. Okay. And for those that don't know, the clusters are basically the neighborhood associations right. there. Um, so I got to get in front of a lot of people. Um, and the thing that we talked about were scams. And scams are... I mean, they don't just affect the folks at Show Walterville. They affect everybody. We no, get, absolutely. We get, you know, numerous calls every week about them. They are, uh, 
You know, and what I tell people is, listen, that's, that's those people's jobs. They're, they're bad guys, and that's their job. Mm -hmm. That's their chosen profession, and that's what they do. And, and a lot of them are really good at it. And there's, there's, I mean, there's probably 50 different scams going around. So we really can't talk about all of them. Right. Um, but what I'll tell you is there's a couple key components to all of them. Um, years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, before the cell phones were real prolific. I mean, we had cell phones, but they weren't like they are now. Mm -hmm. um, email was the big the big kicker for scams. And we don't really see that that much no. anymore. Still still some, um, you know, you get the whole, hey, your virus protection's True. out. Or, or you get the phishing stuff. But but really the email stuff's more geared towards big companies now and, and municipalities and hospitals and those kind of things um, with the ransomware. You know, they, they deal with that. Um, but for for the average folks, it's the it's the phone calls. Mm -hmm. Good True. to know. And, uh, and, and the problem with the phone calls is, you know, is, is technology's great. It's, it's awesome. But as technology gets better, the bad guys get better at technology. Yeah. So one of the things they can do now with all these voice over IP phones is they can change their caller ID to whatever they want it to say. And so they'll call, you'll get a call that says Social Security Administration. Well, just, just so you know, the research I've done is the Social Security Administration doesn't cold call right. anyone. And so you'll never get a call from them with that caller ID. Um, the other, you know, the IRS, they get, you get IRS or you get uh, the one that, the one that's kind of frightening to some folks is they'll get a call from their own phone number because the people just change the caller ID to that, you know? And so, you know, it's just, it's again, they're bad guys. This is their jobs. They're really good at it. That's what they do. Yeah. So the phone calls are the one key to it, right? If you don't know the number, don't answer it, block it, learn how to block calls on your phones. Um, the other component of the cell phone that's kind of interesting is there's no clean numbers anymore. So if you go get a cell phone, somebody else is going to have had that number that you get if you get a new number. There's no clean numbers. Um, we've been going through that even with the PD. Um, we made a switch over to the new AT&T FirstNet. It's a uh -huh. law enforcement thing. And the phone that I got was just riddled with calls, you know. And so I constantly, I 16, 18 calls a day blocking them. You know, so it happens to everyone. Um, so that's one of the problems. Um, and the other problem is, you know, it's you can get on the no call list, but the no call list is kind of like a lock. Yeah, locks are to keep the honest people out. You know, that's what we always say. That's you know, good that's, analogy. That's what the that's what the no call list is. The no call list keeps the the reputable businesses from calling you, but the scammers don't care. Yeah, they'll get the no call list and call you because that's their again, it's their job. They're bad guys. That's what they're they bad do. guys. Um, so the other component to this that's always the same, or pretty much always the same now, is gift cards. Mm -hmm. They'll ask you for whatever they want in gift cards. And they know, they do their research, they know, they'll tell you, hey, go to the Casey's, get an, this kind of gift card, an Apple, a Google Play, something like that, for X amount of dollars. We'll, then they'll have you come back, they'll have you, or before you even leave, really, in the party, they'll have you scratch the back and give them that number. Well, once you give them that number, that money is gone. Mm -hmm. There's no recovering it. It's gone. Um, so what I tell people is, you know, reputable businesses don't ask you to pay <laughs> for services in gift cards. You might pay in gift cards that you've acquired, but mm -hmm. they don't ask you to go get gift cards to pay. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, gift cards are great for your grandkids, for, you know, for your family, for Christmas, their birthdays, that kind of stuff. Or if you, you know, listen, the, you can buy them and buy your groceries with them, but yeah. you're buying them to use for yourself. 
don't buy them to give to people that you don't know over the phone or for services that you've that you've not asked for. So that's kind of the keys to that, really. Um, and then we ask that you call. Please let us know about them. Now, I'm going to tell you that they're not local people doing this. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard to investigate. Um, again, the, the phone numbers aren't correct that you may have. Um, so it's very difficult. You know, this is very complex. This is a very complex, basically, crime syndicate, for lack of a better term, that is doing this, you know, and the money's not generally staying in the United States. It's, it hits, generally hits, a popular one's a green dot bank account. It's an online banking system out of California that has very little regulation. Hits that and then it's gone. Within five minutes, it's gone from there. Wow. So, I mean, it's just a tough thing for us to, to do on the back end. The attorney general tries, I mean, and there, there is a, there is a U.S. government, uh, I think it's Mm identitytheft.gov. Website that you can go enter your information into, and they kind of database it and try to try to do something. But I mean, yeah. what a daunting task, you know. Very so, much so. So, uh, but if you can, you know, if you can get to us early, we can help you. And so, please, please call. So, in saying please call, that brings me to my next point. Okay. Please call nine one one. Because when you call the office, first of all, there may not be anybody there. Right. And secondly, if you do get somebody. And let's just say you call on a normal day, you'd get Janet at the front desk. And she has to ask you a bunch of questions to figure out what she needs to do to help you. Mm-hmm. And then she has to find one of us to get us there to help you. Well, if you call 911, the person's asking you what the issue is, the other person's listening, and they're hitting the button to call us right away. Mm-hmm. And so it's a much faster process to get us mm-hmm. or the fire department, you know, mm-hmm. okay. if you need something, than calling either of the administrative numbers. Right. Um, so, but what I will say is that our door is always open, mm-hmm. um, eight to noon, one to five generally. Um, you know, the front door's open, come see us. One of us is there to talk to you or we'll come back and talk to you. So, you know, we want to be involved in the community. We want to help you with your problems and help you as much as we can and keep right. our community safe and, and that and do what we can. Yeah. So. And you guys are great. You guys are great at your jobs. I mean, you, you're great. You're, uh, and they are approachable, very That's approachable. Right. They are very approachable. Mm-hmm. Our police department, our fire department, our, all of our, the first responders, very approachable. They're here. They're members of the community. And that's exactly. what counts. And, yeah. yeah. That's I, huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I made the decision when I came here that, you know, we moved here within a year of me working here and, you know, I've raised my kids here. Mm-hmm. We've made it a point to become part of the community. And, Without a doubt. And we love Heston. I mean, yeah. that's hard for an old Remington Bronco to say. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm a, I'm a swather for life. All right. All you right. heard it here, folks. You heard it here. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're very grateful, and I especially appreciate that you shared that you'd been over to the uh, residents at the villa and talked to those cluster groups because yep. they are very much a part of this community. And we're all working for the same thing. And we have to stay in communication and in community with each other. I'll give, I'll give one other little plug. Uh, the third Thursday of the month, generally, at 9 o'clock, we do coffee with a cop at the senior center, too. Okay. So feel free to come out and grab a little coffee. And that's your chance to, to have us one-on-one and really just let us have it. Okay. You know, So <laughs> All right. we're, we're there to take a beating anytime, anytime okay. we need it. So. Okay. Great. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Anything else you need to add? Nope, I'm oh, good. Great. Hey, let's move into the sports world real quick because I've got a I'm couple ready. updates. Both cross-country and volleyball for the Swather Sports ended their seasons at regionals and sub-state. Um, cross-country did not place and did not, will not be seen sending anyone to state, and volleyball lost in the first round to Hoisington in the sub-state playoffs. So their seasons come to an end. Now, Swather football. They host Maryville on Marysville on Friday night at 7 o'clock in the first round of the playoffs. 
it's win or go home time for the for the big red machine. So big big game. I guess Marysville got a their stud running back back is he's back and he's been out for so big task at hand and you got to get got to keep winning or your season is over. It's the first round. It's it's real. I feel a win coming. I hope so. Uh, Heston College Fall Sports also came to its close as well. Men's soccer finished with an eight and seven and one record. And the women f- fell with a 4-11. and 11. Both of the teams missed out on the playoffs by the goal differential. So they were in the hunt, but they had a tiebreaker, and they mm. lost in the goal differential. And then the volleyball, Hessen College Volleyball ended their season with a 2-16 and 16 mark. So they're, they're done, and they're making the transition because Hessen College basketball starts here next week already. And so they're moving into their winter, fall, their winter slate of sports. And so, time for some hoops yeah, is what time, I hear you time, saying. Time for okay. a little hoops action. So okay. other than that, I think that's everything that's going on right now and so trick-or-treat is on monday we're not making any kind of change people are trick-or-treating on monday night the actual day sometimes people yeah sometimes sometimes communities make a change we have not to my knowledge we have not made that change no years and years ago they did one time they 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 had it they i don't remember i just remember sitting on the porch for two nights scaring (laughs) kids so i'm telling you but i'm not trick-or-treating at your house i'm not doing it at my house this year really yeah i think i'll be way closer to your house this year i'm now kind of worried (laughs) but at least i have a friend in law enforcement who had just heard him say that he has a plan to be on parkview so yeah well i i kind of assume that's where he would be (laughs) dressed up there could be i might be in a courtyard we'll see you never know where i'm gonna end up on i'm you know what you don't know where i'm gonna be either rusty now that Mm. you know that you're I'm going to come trick-or-treat your house. Just be ready. (laughs) That's all I can say is be ready. Well, Brad and Chris, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate you guys so much, and we're glad you guys came by to talk about things. Good good day. I think that's about everything we've got going on for the week so far. The show's just getting longer and longer. I know, but we've got to give Brad and Chris applause. Please do. All right. Well, that hey guys, email us at hestonpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. So that's probably going to do it for us. This has been the weekly walkthrough H Town coming to you from the hub of the community, the Heston Public Library, recorded with podcasting equipment, sponsored by USW Local 11228. For Susan Lamb, I'm Rusty Witcher, and saying we will talk to you guys next week.